You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So the title of the show is, you know, when a spouse won't talk or doesn't like yeah, to talk. The title of the show is not when your co-host won't talk. <laughs> why you why were not? You taunting me just now. <laughs> you were taunting me. Of course, of course I wouldn't do that. Yeah, never. <laughs> this is Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. It's an honor and a privilege every time that you invite us in. And so I can't say thank you enough to our listeners who... Send us emails at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com that jump on iTunes and give us five-star reviews. And I even am honored if you give us a low-star review. That's It's still it's feedback. You and took that's, the time. And that's what we want because we want to help spread the word that married sex can be fantastic, that there's it's limitless on the depths that you can reach and the things that you can create together. And... And we just want to start speaking into the different voids that are out there and try to help people when it comes to this area of their marriage. Because, you know, married sex is sacred and it's blessed and it's honored. And and we want to really try to help spread that word and and really help ease the pain. And so one of the things that comes to my mind a lot of times, Shannon, because this is this idea for this show was you of. You know, what What do you do when one spouse doesn't like to talk about sex? Because I think of several emails we've got in the inbox at feedbacksexymarriageradio.com that are on this very thing of anytime I bring it up, he says no. Or if I say something, Stonewalls. she says no way or changes the subject or even goes so far as saying, nope, that, t- that subject is off limits. We cannot talk about it. So it's a yeah. great idea. That has to be an overwhelming feeling for a spouse to feel a desperation of trying to communicate their most intimate needs and be vulnerable and authentic and real and their spouse stonewalls them. Um, and that whole concept of stonewalling, um, according to you know, the Gottman studies, it's, that's like an ingredient that is pretty much a, a, a sign of the it's, beginning of the it's end. It's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Exactly. Exactly. That it, it will kill your relationship very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, before we go really, really deep into this, let me just tell you what came to my mind as you were running through how f- even negative feedback is helpful. Um, uh, there's an exercise that I do with my blast group. I, I have a group, a mentorship group where it's aspiring writers and speakers. And I frequently tell them you have better develop a thick, thick skin because your editor will slice and dice your manuscript and hand it back to you in shreds. And people are going to come up to you after your talks and they are going to pick you apart. They're going to say things that you just can't let the squeaky wheel get the grease. Right. You know, I, I try to tell them that negative feedback is actually one of the biggest favors because it helps you correct your course. And I actually do this exercise with them where I bring someone up out of the audience and I put them in the back of the room and I have somebody, uh, they close their eyes. I have somebody spin them around and around where they lose their orientation altogether. And their goal is to get to me by following my voice. And as they start just moving around aimlessly, I just am giving them feedback of you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. No, you're getting colder. Mm -hmm. You're getting colder. You're getting colder. And the interesting thing is by the time they get to me, the amount of negative feedback that they got in that process is far greater 
than the positive. Right. But it helped them get where they were going to go. Right. That's good. It, and so I just thought that's a great um, introduction into today's concept yeah. that if your spouse is being brave enough to broach this subject with you, you may perceive it as negative feedback if they're complaining about your stonewalling or they're telling you that they want to have these conversations with you. But if you will just remember that negative feedback will help you get where you want to go. And hopefully, even if you don't feel comfortable talking about sex, hopefully you still have a desire to go deeper in your relationship and learn how to connect in a healthier way and conversation. And Leslie Vernick, my friend says it best. She says, intimacy can only be communicated through one of two ways, talk or touch. Okay. And there's a lot of spouses that they may even be comfortable with the touch, but they're not comfortable with the talk. Right. And I still think that that's a very, um, it's a daunting dynamic yeah. for the spouse who feels the need to talk. Yeah. So I'm going to stop and let you talk. Well, I've, yeah, I've got to bring up the other side of this though, because the message you just gave is likely to the person that's not a listener. <laughs> because they're the, <laughs> Where they, are you? They Why could, aren't you listening to the show? They could be a lower desire and they don't have the interest. And so even listening to this show would be, nope, not interested because now I'm going to have to talk about it. You know, if my partner makes me listen to it, then I'm going to have to talk about it. It's not, I'm not doing that. But I would, I would say the same message still applies to the person that wants to talk about this. And they repeatedly are met with a stone wall that that is feedback. So my question is, what is it that makes their unwillingness to talk about it have to shut you down completely? Can't you still bring it up in healthier ways or statement ways that, yes, I get it that the idea of both people exchanging ideas, I mean, this is recorded right after one of the debates for the presidential campaign, and I'm watching that with my kids, the first part of it, and they're both going, neither one of them get a chance to really talk. And I'm like, yep, welcome to the presidential debate. It's who can make the most noise and scare people. I mean, that's largely what this is about. Well, isn't that kind of what we do in marriage sometimes when we meet stone walls of who can make the most noise and get you to come around to my way of thinking rather than, all right, so I have a partner, a husband or a wife that isn't interested in talking about this subject, doesn't want to bring it up, repeatedly avoids it, if not tries to shut it down. What is it that makes their way the right way? It's just, it's what it is, it's data. So how could you still confront that feedback better. You don't have to shut it down completely. Interesting. I mean, I, I do you know, have to question if a client comes to me and says, my spouse refuses to even talk about this. My immediate question is, how are you, how are you approaching it? Mm-hmm. You know, are you approaching it in a way that automatically puts them on the defensive or that is triggering them emotionally? But for them, for the, for the initiating spouse, to then shut down because the reciprocal or the not reciprocating the opposite of reciprocating the non-reciprocal spouse has responded in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Like we can't control them. Mm-hmm. We can't control the situation. We can't control the outcome, but we can control our response. Right. And that's the only thing that we can control. Right. For sure. But I, I just want to offer my condolences though, to the spouses out there who are clamoring for communication and for conversation that maybe they get touched, maybe they don't get touched, putting that beside the point, they crave 
hearing words. They crave eye to eye. They crave information exchange, Mm -hmm. but not just information, not just pick up the kids at three o'clock type of a thing. And actually, uh, Corey, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to pull up a text message that my human sexuality professor from Liberty University recently sent to me that I just thought was so incredibly insightful. I actually printed it out and saved it for, I'm going to put this in a future book. Okay. Uh, he said, this is Dr. David Lawson. I'm so grateful for all of it. He's one of the most brilliant men I've ever met. And his, his, his paradigms are just fascinating. He says, when two or more come together, we enter what is called an intersubjective space. This space is both shared and highly relational. Intersubjective space is terrifying, for in it we begin seeing not only through our own eyes, which have been highly managed, regulated, and even controlled through dissociation, we also see through the eyes of the other. And the other's eyes cannot be controlled, contained, or or warded off. Those eyes must be embraced and owned. For a brief moment, I see myself through another's eyes with all the flooding torrent of a tsunami that whips me about and forces me to see what I've been avoiding my whole life. In this intersubjective state, I finally allow another's eyes to connect with mine, and through them, I glimpse myself as the other sees me. As terrifying as this is, it is not nearly as painful as the flood of abuse and hurt we have managed and stored within us and contained over the years, never to be disturbed, as if we are hiding the Egyptian tombs of the old underneath tons of sand. But in that very special moment, I see me through another, and in that moment, I can choose to begin the process of understanding me through the other or universally reject that vision as being flawed. The truth is their vision is also flawed. I'm going to put the wrong, I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable there. The truth is their vision is also flawed, but they see parts of the self that must be confronted and owned and reintegrated. Otherwise, we spend our lives as mindless zombies, numbly moving from moment to moment without any real understanding of myself and how I'm being experienced. So here's, here's the thing, all that to say, that intersubjective space where we get the feedback from our partner of how we're being perceived is absolutely vital to the human experience. And when our spouse won't engage us in that dialogue, won't engage us in that experience, it's incredibly lonely. And the worst feeling in the world is to be in a marriage where you're not alone, but you're lonely. I think most people on the planet would acknowledge they would rather be alone than not alone and lonely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So w- what are your thoughts of, of the vital um, element of reciprocity in communication, in, in verbal exchange of ideas, in eye contact, in just the attention and affection and affirmation that comes through verbal language? Okay. So I, I see this com- through a completely different lens. Shocker. Okay. Right. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But I'm fascinated, though. Help me see it through your lens, Because I, I see it through a relational lens. Okay. So there are things in my marriage with Pam that are off limits, or conversations, topics, whatever, because either I don't handle it well or she doesn't handle it well. So through the course of our 23-plus years, we've kind of evolved to, okay, if I'm going to bring this up, it's going to be 
tiptoe or it's going to be, you know, you've learned right. where the eggshells and the mine, right. the landmines are. You just learn each other that way. That's there's no, there's, there's, it's inevitable, but I always think of it in terms of everything we do communicates. So we're always communicating. So if I bring up something and she ignores it or changes the subject, that's communication. And so I have to then start to reexamine and my counsel to people is I need to learn to take that data less personally so I can confront it better from the more full of me, from the fullness of okay. me. Okay. Can you unpack that with a random hypothetical example so that people will catch the vision of what that could look like for them? Well, it's just because, okay. So if you bring up a subject with your partner and they change the subject right away, how often do we respond personally to that? We're, we're personally hurt by that. Right. That it's like, wait, this is important to me. So therefore it should be important to you. That goes back to a show we did a couple of weeks ago on knowing versus caring. Yeah. So this is in a great dovetail to that show that it, how do I start to see that as, okay, that's not a personal attack of me. That's just the differences between us. That's what that is. So that's the space of the interpersonal space between us that now all okay. of a sudden you're a little more defined. I'm a little more defined. So if I cannot overreact to that, I'm in a better position to then say, Hey, hold on. I noticed you just changed the subject there. Is that because you don't want to talk about this or were you, are is this not a good time? I've given so us you're, both you're a naming safe the out. elephant in the room. Right. I've given us both a safer out, but I've also stood my ground to say, I'm not letting this drop. This is important. So you're willing to accept that they're not willing to talk about it, but you just want to clarify that that's what's being experienced in that moment. Right. Is that and, what you're saying? Well, I don't know if I'm willing to accept that, the, that they're not willing to talk about it. I'm just wanting to clear up. Hold on. What just happened here? And because this is something I want to hold on. I want to talk about because as I was listening to you read your text, what jumps out to me is just this. This is a schnarch phrase where. One of the things that we're our goal and what what relationships do is they help us create a solid sense of self because it's in it's through the reflection of other people that we refine ourselves. And one of the things that if I have to do that's along that process is creating the ability to validate and confirm who I am within myself. And that is done most in the absence of other people validating that. Right? When I say something and people don't agree, or there's crickets to it, I have to really decide, is this really me? Or do mm -hmm. I cave and accommodate and crumble to try to make it so that I feel better about us? And, and don't you think that that's somewhat of a personality thing too? I mean, there are people who are people pleasers that they're trying to be a chameleon. They're just trying to fit in yep. and, and catch the, the, yep. the vibe so that they can blend. And so you're saying that it's taking ownership of yeah. How you're feeling, what you're perceiving, asking for what you need, clarifying statements. I yeah, have no problem with that. Yeah, it's, it's being willing to just stand up and say, hey, hold on. I know this is a subject we don't talk about a lot. And I know that in the past you've, you've demonstrated this is you're not comfortable with this. But this is still something I want to press and continue to talk about because I want to connect with you on this level or there's some issues I still like we're, we, we still are facing or, you know, that it. All of this is just part of welcome to marriage to me. That's because 
the couples that you see that have the great banter on every single topic are rare. They, yeah. they, they themselves will say there are subjects they know that are off limits. Right. And so if we're doing that with our life, how do I use, how do I do that better? But don't you think that sex is one of those topics that you can't afford to have that be the topic that you just don't communicate about? Yeah, but that's going to be the biggest one you don't communicate about. <laughs> but that drives me crazy, yeah. though. I, and I know that I'm just wired really weirdly that I'm so comfortable talking about sexuality. But I just think that for a husband and wife to ever really build trust, form a bond, experience the pleasure that they each crave, provide the pleasure that they want to offer. Like there has to be some sort of verbal exchange. We're not animals that just come at each other with genitalia swollen, ready to just bang against each other until the, the desire is satisfied. Sex is communication. Yeah. And therefore to talk about sex just seems as if it's a vital element yeah, but to see, that, the whole what, dialogue. But that's what I want to, I want to at least just point out the idea that we're talking about sex without talking about it. This isn't verbal communication. How you, how you interrelate to each other is talking about it. Okay. The whole thing about, uh, what is it? Something like 90% of what you say is nonverbal. Yeah. 93%. Wow. It's tone and body language, but it's still, I mean, it's a very, very clear signal. If a husband rolls over, has his hand on his wife's belly, starts to go down between her legs, and she clamps her legs together. Or rolls over even further to right. get away from him. That's a very clear signal. The other opposite extreme is true, too. If he's going down her belly and she spreads her legs, that's a very, very clear signal that nothing was spoken. And so it's just recognizing we are always communicating. That's what blows me away about just the way life has unfolded yeah. with, with technology and everything. Keep going. You, you had something you were going to say. Well, the couple who is able to experience that, that the nonverbals speak so loudly that there doesn't need to be any words. Her legs are spread and he knows that he has a red carpet rolled out right. and he is welcome there. But I think that we're talking to the couple who one of them is really struggling right. and they don't know how to initiate. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to ask for what they need in an effective way that the response is positive. And so again, when you're, when your spouse just shuts down and refuses to talk about it, I think that that spouse needs to examine what is this really all about for me? Why am I uncomfortable talking about it? Is it because my family never talked to me about it. Okay. Is it because this was a source of contention in my parents' marriage? Is it because of his affair or her uh, emotional entanglement at the office? Is it because um, that this is an emotional trigger for you? Like figure it out mm -hmm. because to just build a wall to hide behind, you think you're being protected behind that wall. But what happens the day that your spouse comes to you and says, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving mm -hmm. because I think a lack of communication, especially about intimate matters, especially about sex. I think that has to be one of the number one issues because they say that money and sex are the two biggest reasons that people divorce. Yep. Well, my guess is it's not the money yep. itself. It's not the sex or lack thereof itself. It's the lack of communication about our shared goals and visions for that money or for that sex. Okay. 
it, it, you have to start somewhere. It has to start with conversation. But what I think of, Corey, you had the image of the woman rolling over or the husband mm-hmm. rolling over and trying to initiate. What I envision is Archie Bunker sitting in a recliner. Okay. And, you know, he was just such a stonewalled kind of a guy. I just can't envision Edith ever getting through to say, you're not meeting my sexual needs, Archie. <laughs> Thank you for that visual. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't want husbands to do that, but I don't want wives to do it either. I mean, I've, I've, I've had enough experience with couples together knowing that this is not just a male-female thing. This is not just men don't feel comfortable using their language because they've already used up 90% of their words by the time they get off work and they only have 10% left at the end of the day. No, sometimes this is the wife doesn't feel comfortable talking about sex mm-hmm. and the husband is desperate to have these conversations and to try to create a vision together and to have both people feel as if they're getting their needs met. But for whatever reason, she can't or won't have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that even distinguishing between can't and won't is very, very important because if she won't, I think that the husband does come to that place where can I do this or not? What are my limits here? Because every, every human being has their limits right. of how much they can take, how, how much they can be starved before they go looking elsewhere. Right. Um, but if it's a matter of she can't or he can't, that's where I think that counseling or coaching really, really can help. Because yeah, once you get to the psychological root of why they can't, because if you can string sentences together, if you can put a, a well thought out um, concept out on the table about any other topic, you can learn to do the same thing about sex. Mm-hmm. You can. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing of, of, I just can't do that. I don't buy that. Right. Well, I, I think that it's more likely that they won't. And yeah, that's, that's a better statement of being able to be more honest with yourself and than those you're with and in relationship with. Of this is something I will not talk about, and if that means it's going to cause some serious consequences, then okay. I mean, that's because that's a more honest statement. Of this is where I am. Anytime right. I hear the word "can't," I just think of my kid's Taekwondo class because the guy that led it would always say, anytime he heard the word "can't," he would say, "You got to add the word yet to the end of that." Makes all the difference in yep. the world. I can't yet. Because right. you'll figure it out if you're gonna if it's important enough you will figure it out, totally, and you'll confront it. But I still, I I don't want to discount the importance of talk because we do have some interpersonal things that go on and the rewiring of our brain and these kinds of conversations and there's stimulations that can come from it and connectedness that comes from it of of just the exchange of words. But I still want to come at it just so our listeners are very clear that everything we do communicates. You know, you're just the simple, your husband comes in and he says, you know, he, he comes walking in and he sets his stuff down, but yet he's still on his phone doing something, checking something, texting something, not, not a conversation. They're in body, not in mind or right. spirit. How is that not communication? You know, it's it, not it, important right it, now. It oh. is. Everything is being communicated. So, how could the number one thing I see with couples? This is what I hope couples recognize when they, especially when they work with me, and then if they listen to the show, 
you get this for free. Well done. Um, it's the idea of the the main thing I see when it comes to uh, marital arguments and fights is you overreact to your partner's overreaction. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So how do you limit your overreactions that if your partner overreacts to something and that's just it, that scenario, the husband walks in, he's still on his phone. It's very easy for the wife. Let's say she's a stay at home mom and she's got kids or let's say she's working and she's home and she's ready to see him. And she wants to talk about the day and she sees that. And then all immediately what's being sent to her is your phone is more important than me. He may not actually be wanting to relay that right at that particular moment, but that's what he's communicating. And so how do we, for the wife in that instance, how does she say, I don't know if you're wanting to tell me that your work is more important than me, but that's what I'm getting from you right now. And that hurts. That's a whole different statement than, I can't believe you're always on your phone, you know, and because that's what we yeah, do. That, that takes some real maturity. It does. But if and, I look at I, everything in my life as communication, that's how I mature. I right. mean, that, that's the way, that's what's helped me the most. Right. Well, that reminds me of the concept of being a, a teddy bear versus a porcupine. Of It's really hard to hug a porcupine. And so when the wife or husband explodes, you're always on Facebook. Blah, blah, blah. Right. It's really hard to grow close to a person whose quills are out. Uh, but the person who sits down and says, I would so love it if we could make some time together tonight. Is there a way that right. that you can shut the Facebook down earlier or whatever and just ask for what you need? That's a teddy bear. Like who, uh, unless you have some real issues, you're going to want to reward that kind of honesty and sincerity and vulnerability and authenticity with the payoff. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, that, Do you think that there's, I think that what makes is behind it, that dynamic of because you asked for it, it's exactly what I'm going to withhold. What uh, the heck is behind that? I think that's because if the, 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 what I'm proposing of being able to confront things more in line with me, less reactive and more responsive, what happens then is I really start to uncover the big deals between us. Right. We can't avoid those things then. Right. Yeah. So if all of a sudden I don't play the game normal of the way where eggshells have, have been, Nope, that's a room we don't go in because it's got all these eggshells. And if all of a sudden I'm willing to lean into those, let me last Christmas, I think it was uh, tropical storm. Pam came through our house on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I hope you pick up on what I'm saying there um, because she worked all day Christmas Eve um, and we have some different uh, parenting philosophies. She and I do when it, the main things we are lockstep, but a lot of other little things we're not. And I'm of the opinion, my kids have worked hard in school. They were doing well. And so it's, an, it was a nice day outside, but they would rather, they rather to stay inside and watch movies all day. And that's what we did. Well, my wife loves the outdoors. She's at work, not wanting to be at work, but she's got a lot she's got to get done because it's the end of the year. She's yep. wishing we were outside as a surrogate for her, so at least somebody in her family was enjoying the beautiful Aww. weather. And so when she came home and she saw we were just lounging around the house, it, it made her mad. Plus, it triggered her. Right. Plus, the day wasn't a great day anyway for her with just work and stuff. And so that kind of set it off. And 
then we had a whole bunch of running around to do for the Christmas Eve service and all that. And so she had to rush up there. And so she's just in a bad mood. And I had, my nice guy tendency was starting to come out of just like, I'll give a wide berth on this. I'm not going to, don't poke the bear, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just give her room and it'll, it'll all blow over and blah, 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 blah. But instead, I've grown enough now that when I sat down with her before the service started, I leaned over to her because what I have discovered with my wife, and this is what works for me, fellas, I'm not, this is not a prescription of do this. A I've description, dis- not a prescription. Very, perfect. So I have discovered she wants something solid that doesn't get caught up on her cycles. Yeah. So, and I think that fits a lot of wives. It's just stereotype, but I think it's true. And so I leaned over to her and I said, how's the storm? And I I knew as a huge risk right there, my head could get lopped off, whatever, because she's, you know, she was not in a good spot, but I love it because she said it's better, but it's still there. I'm like, all right. You know, but it's just that whole leaning into that makes what's going on come to the forefront. And so we don't always react well, but if I don't take it personal, I'm in a better position to truly care and help. And that's what happens a lot of times where somebody comes out, you're in the porcupine mode and that you try to get a teddy bear to help it. Okay. In Hallmark world, absolutely that works. In life, when there's so many other meanings attached to it, it doesn't always work. So how do I still maintain my teddy bear stance? Because what I'm doing is I've got more data to confront porcupine with, with the realities because my, my hunch would be porcupine doesn't even like being a porcupine too. Right. It is no fun to be caught up in that storm. Right. I know that it's not fun for the other people who are in the perimeter of right. the room. But for the person that the storm is raging inside of them, that is not a fun place to right. be. So, yeah, that's a really good, really good analogy. Okay, so if we're talking about this whole idea of what do you do when your spouse doesn't talk, I'm I, I like your idea of bringing it up, and I feel like I've kind of stolen it <laughs> and no, gone it, gone it, a different, different way. Perspectives, right? But you know, what? not every prescription is going to work for every couple. Right. So the fact that we can put different viewpoints out there hopefully will just help simply help more people right because this is one of the components of what happens in marriage is we talk (laughs) you you fell in love because you talked right and and you got a chance to get insight into other people and 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 them and 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 learn and love and 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 fall deeper in love so i guess if anything let's kind of close this out with the encouragement of sometimes you got to open your mouth even though everything we're doing communicates Sometimes yeah. you got to speak up. Absolutely. It would it would really mean the world to the spouse who feels starved for that. Right. So working on that issue is definitely a worthwhile investment. Connect right. with me, connect with Corey, connect with a counselor in your area. If if it's that you can't, then just remember it's that you can't yet. Right. But you'll be able to in the future, we hope. Right. Well, you can keep avoiding it, but eventually the price is going to get higher and higher. Yeah. And that's the yes. struggle because that's what marriage does is it reveals Emotional stuff. bills come due. Yep. It, it reveals stuff. And so I would rather see us confront the things from the best in us because we can handle those things. We find our way through. Mm-hmm. It just happens. So this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. See you we next time. We love you for listening.
If you've benefited from this podcast, consider becoming a member of the Bed Buddy Club. Your financial support will help take Sexy Marriage Radio to the next level and enable Corey and Shannon to strengthen many other couples. Learn more at SexyMarriageRadio.com by clicking on the purple button.